This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I am great. How are you? I am really great. This is the last garden show of 2023. Here we are, New Year's Eve weekend. And I think we could almost be out gardening. <laughs> we, like, we really could. It's yeah. such an unusual December. So, uh, yeah, record-breaking, I think, both temperatures and precipitation and all of that. I actually was out in my garden for a few a few hours on Boxing Day doing that final putting the roses to bed. Wow. Yeah. And how many Decembers can you say? How many Christmases or around that week can you say that you've done that? It can't be that many. No, not many. The, count on one hand the number of times it's been that mild through December where, you know, it just hasn't. And even now it's not cold enough. We're still above. Well, I guess we're, we're hovering around zero at my house, but there is cold weather coming eventually. So I figured it's, it's time. It's time to hill the roses and a few other tender plants, particularly with no snow on the ground. The, the hilling does provide a bit of insulation around the tender plants so that when we do get a, a flash freeze, uh, the plants will not be shocked so badly. Got it. Now, just very quickly before I give the numbers, because we're talking about temperature, yesterday I filled in on the uh, the Afternoon Express for Liz West on Zuma Radio, and we got talking about uh, the song Graceland came up, which is in Memphis, and so out of curiosity, I looked, and the temperature in Memphis yesterday oh. was identical to the temperature up here. We were both sitting at about 4 degrees Celsius at that time at 4 p.m., which was wow. crazy. Yeah, I yeah. just thought, that is insane <laughs> that we I mean. are... And matching the temperature. Now, they were saying that they were going to go up over the next few days and we are going down. But still, at that particular moment, they were at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a it's been a wacky kind of a kind of a winter so far. Pretty crazy. OK, let's give those numbers that we would love for you to give us a call. If you have a question about healing up your roses or you have an indoor question, even an amaryllis question, you know, we'll take them all. Indoor, outdoor, 416-360-0740. Or if you live in uh, outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, it is 1-866-740-4740. And do let Ashy know if you're a first-time caller, and I will give you your garden wings. We love to do that. Uh, call often, call early, and please, one question per call. Okay, so uh, I think we should probably take a break now, Charlie, but we will be right back on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show on this 30th of December, 2023. The last garden show of the year. And uh, and as we are talking about a uh, a bit of a mild 
not a <laughs> bit of a mild, a, an incredibly mild uh, December that we've had here, which has allowed us to go out and, and if you want, to a certain degree, do a little bit of gardening, eh? Yeah, if you need to, for sure. I mean, this is a good time for any everybody like scour your house. Make sure there's not a bag of bulbs you forgot about, right? The ground is not frozen. You can still plant bulbs if you find them. And they'll, <laughs> there's always somebody who goes, damn, I forgot a bag of bulbs. So go get into that garage, check that basement, get those bulbs in the ground while you can. Okay, Dean's hand is up, I will tell you. I, I never got my garlic in. Am I too late? Uh, <laughs> I guess I can do that. There we go. I just way to admit. <laughs> yeah, you there we could. Are. You, okay. I mean, it's not optimal, but I would. I mean, they're just going to be mush otherwise. Like yeah. you won't. Okay. Or either that or eat them, right? Okay. Either so I can plant still them or eat them. them. Okay. Yeah, of okay. course. Yeah. I'm going to give the numbers out again, Charlie. We got lots of room on the lines. Give us a call, and then I know you have an update that you want to mm -hmm. address. 416 360 0740 or 1-866-740-4740. Okay, what do you got for us there, Charlie? Uh, I just wanted to let everybody who was listening last week, including Jean, who called right at the top of the show, and she was asking about the Hoya plant. She wanted to get one. She didn't know where to get it uh, and how to care for it and all that important stuff. And I commented, you know, Hoya is a, a lovely plant to have and an easy low maintenance as long as you've got a nice sunny window. Meanwhile, I did get an email from Barbara. Thank you very much. She wrote to say, so Jean, I hope you're listening. And you, she, Jean's in Newmarket, so she's not that far from Ajax. Vandermeer's is a huge greenhouse operation in the Ajax area. And Barbara commented that Vandermeer's has several varieties of Hoya in stock as we speak. So if you're on a search for Hoya, there's a good spot to go. I remember falling in love with a Hoya years ago, like when I had my very, very first apartment. There was a Don't very tell unique... Gail. No, no. <laughs> that's true enough. And there was a very, I remember this very unique flower shop in Hamilton on King Street. Uh, I think it was called Flirtations is what she called hmm. it. And at the time, you know, this is going back to the early 90s. And so, and it was very, you know, the whole shop was white and just a hand, like not jammed with flowers and plants. They were very, she was very particular. And I remember she had a type of Hoya that I just could not afford because I had, mm. you know, I was out on my own for the first time and I so desperately wanted it. And it was kind of a funky looking hanging Hoya that was kind of, I don't know, it went off in kind of <laughs> weird directions. It was like a, not a standard Hoya, it was kind of a a crinkly hoya or something yeah, like that. I was going to say there are, there are the ones that have leaves that are all contorted and That's yes, what it was, yeah. highly specialized. And I mean, obviously what it, it's a, it's a spontaneous mutation, right? These things happen. Plants do mutate all by themselves. It's not like they've been genetically modified or irradiated or anything like that. They just funny things happen. And once something like that happens, the person who the plant person that this happens to goes, oh, wow, that's so cool. And they propagate by cuttings only. So that's how you spread those wacky, um, uh, strange <laughs> permutations that sometimes happen in the plant world. Okay, okay. Okay, we've got a caller on the line. Let's go to Susie in Thornhill. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susie. Oh, thank you. I think you two are wonderful. I enjoy listening to you. I, I have a question about my roses. The, the roses are climbing up the side of the house, and others. do I cut them right back to maybe six inches from the ground now, or what? How do I cope with them? 
All right. So, no, I wouldn't do any major cutting on them now unless they are interfering with a walkway or they're interfering with each other. Like if there's a lot of uh, rubbing and damage happening because of the size of them, we will cut only enough to avoid damage uh, because damage is never good. And you could do that now, as long as it's not raining. Typically, we do our cutting on a dry day. Climbing roses, we never really cut down, like we cut down our hybrid teas and our floribundas. Instead, we kind of judiciously look at them in the spring and we'll take out typically the older canes. I mean, it just depends how you got them trained. So roses are interesting the way they bloom. They will bloom on what's called old wood, but you also want to be training the, the canes. Like they, they're obviously vertical. They grow up from the yeah. ground. But if you can train them horizontally after they've grown up and then you go you know, parallel to the ground because you have the space to do that, those canes will just be covered in roses because that bending of the branches or canes produces all kinds of flower buds. So, um, yeah, you if you can't do that, then you are going to prune in the spring just to thin the plant out and allow air to penetrate and sun to penetrate, again, to maximize blooms and minimize damage from rubbing, etc. So the really, really skinny... Um, weak-looking canes are the first ones you take out, the ones that are rubbing you take out, and then you stand back and you you really kind of look at the structure of the plant. And you can take out as much as, you know, a half of a climbing rose in the spring if you need to. Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. And Happy New Year to the two of you. Thank okay. you very thank much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much, Susie. And make sure you give us a call again. We would love <laughs> to get that. Uh, Charlie, we have to take a quick break. I'm going to give the numbers out again. We've got lots of room on the lines. Uh, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. I'm Dean Holland. And uh, we are going to go to the phone lines now, Charlie. We have Anne on the line, and she is calling from Georgetown. Welcome to the Garden Show, Anne. Thank you. Morning. Morning. Happy New Year. Happy I guess New not Year Happy New Year, too. but well, wishing you a Happy New Year. <laughs> okay, I have an amarilla, two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One is called an alfresco. It's white. And it's about 15 inches tall. The other one, I don't know the name, and it's 30 inches tall. It's just long green stems. Is that mm-hmm. going to bloom? Probably not. Really? If it's Well, the, the way amaryllis works, and, and uh, Dean and I were speaking about this when we were off air, are these, these are amaryllis you've kept from last year? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I and cut so them off, you... and then I put them in the dark, and now they're growing just green stalks. Right. So the only thing you did wrong there was you were too impatient. When you put your amaryllis in the dark, which is the correct thing to do in September, you put them away in the basement like they've been growing all spring and summer. They're big green plants. Stick them in the basement or a dark spot, cool, dark spot in September. 
The leaves will turn yellow. The plant will go to sleep because you're not watering it. You have to wait. The plant will wake up when it's ready to wake up. And I, I, I know the impulse, and I've done it myself, is, oh, no, this poor plant, I have to pull it out of the dark. So we pull it up, we bring it upstairs, we start watering it, and we get a bunch of leaves. If you can be patient and check your amaryllis every four or five days at this time of year, the flower comes first. You will see a little tip of a flower bud. Just It's white because it's in the dark. It's not green. You'll just see it poking through, and that's when you bring it out of the dark, into the light, and water it. If you bring it out too early, you get leaves, which is fine. It just means you're going to have a green plant this year, and you'll wait next year and leave it in the dark a little longer. So do I cut that off now and just put it away? No, let them grow. You've woken them up. Let them be awake. They need okay. their, it's a, it's a cycle for them. So okay. they've had their sleep. You've woken them up. Let them be plants right now, right through until next September when you'll put them back to sleep again. Okay. Cause I got them all staked up cause they're all, they're so high. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, if the leaves, when the leaves they do get pretty floppy. Um, so, yes, um, the more sun, the better. The less water, the better. We'll keep everything a little more compact. And then as soon as we're frost-free, like, you know, in May, get them outside. Let them be a floppy outside. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you much, then. I listen to you every Saturday. Happy all New right. Year to all. Thanks. Thanks okay, so much, Ann. Yeah. All the best in 2024. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah, let's go to our next caller. We have Susan on the line calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susan. Good morning. 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 <laughs> I'm calling uh, about uh, two bay laurel plants I have. One's about 12 inches tall, and the other one's about eight. And they keep developing tiny roots on the soil surface. So I think they need to be repotted. And I do that, and then I still end up, after a few months, with the tiny roots on the surface of the soil. Hmm. It could be, well, okay. And they're not very um, actively growing either. Right. So one of the things that I think happens with our watering techniques with houseplants mm-hmm. is we get into a routine when they are actively growing through the spring and the summer and even the fall, and we're very consistently watering. And then the days really shorten down, you know, everything starts to get, you know, much darker. Obviously, none of us, I think, have seen the sun in about two weeks now. Plants hunker down and really just have a little mini sleep. And the trick is to pull back on your watering big time. So probably what's happening, why those roots are doing what they're doing, is that they are responding to the fact that you're watering a little too often. You want to really let these plants be very dry in between your waterings. Also, Uh cooler temperatures are good with a bay laurel. Again, winter temperatures with many of our house plants, especially those from the Mediterranean, cool and dry. Sorry, what'd you say? They're in a south-facing window. Is that too warm? No, the sun is good. We like bright light. Um, so bright is good. Uh, if it's cooler near the window, then, then you know what I mean? Like put them in the coolest spot that you can. It might be right on the window ledge or near the window because that's cooler than five feet away from the window. Make sure there's no drafts, no vents blowing on them uh, and, and really water sparingly. Okay. So should okay. I repot them or just leave them? I do, well, I mean, if roots are coming out the bottom of the, the pots, assuming no, that you have drainage holes. 
Yeah, they just they just come across the top of the soil. Hmm. Yeah, and did you are there roots coming out the bottom? No. Hmm. You could uh, just, for interest' sake, lay out some newspaper and lay the plants and pull the pot off You're and just take a look up. and see what's going on. You might have a whole spiral thing going on with the roots, so maybe it's a good idea to repot. It's a bit hard to say it at from this point, but uh, if you are repotting again, you know, <clears throat> slightly bigger pot, obviously fresh soil. Trim the roots before you do the repotting. You know, you can always trim roots. Oh, Best okay. time to be doing all of this is February. Okay, wonderful. All right, thanks for wonderful. calling. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah, your help. Thanks. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for the call. Yeah, Happy New Year to you, Susan. Yeah, Happy Healthy New Year. Yeah, okay, dokie. We have, our lines are just full, which is great. So we're going to go to our next caller, which is Carol and Orangeville. And uh, welcome to the Garden Show, Carol. Thank you. Uh, I have an Good unusual morning. question. Uh, I have a rhubarb bed that's about 20 feet long, and it has a border that's about four feet wide. That way the leaves aren't hanging over the lawn. It's easy to cut the grass. But in the spring, before they get very big, I look at all this bare soil, and I was hmm. wondering, is that a place I could put spring bulbs, or would they not go well with rhubarb? Oh, totally. You know, uh, daffodils would love it in there. Um, daffodils are long-lived um, bulbs, and they will travel within that bed so that, you you know, they'll what we call naturalize. So you plant 12, but you'll get 24 sort of thing. Um, I probably wouldn't put tulips just because tulips are crazy beautiful, but only for three or four years, and then they tend to uh, kind of peter out. Um, but you could go with some of the smaller, the more miscellaneous bulbs, the little scylla, um, you know, Crocuses aren't very long-lasting, but grape hyacinths are lovely, bright, bright blue. Um, yeah, there's lots of choices. I, I would definitely do something like that just to perk up that that whole border, and then your then the big rhubarb leaves will grow and cover up the bulb the bulb leaves as they're dying down. So you won't need to remove any of those leaves from, say, the daffodils. Okay, great. I wondered because I'd never seen anybody do it, so I didn't know if there was something toxic that might interfere. <sighs> Well, yes, not all plants are going to be thriving around rhubarb, but daffodils will. They are so tough. They can thrive just about anywhere. And as you know, rhubarb leaves themselves are poisonous to mammals, but not necessarily poisonous to other plants. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks for the call there. Carol, all in right, Orangeville, bye. the numbers to give us a call are 416 360 0740, that's the Toronto number. Or if you live anywhere outside Toronto within the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. We would love to chat with you. And it looks like our next caller on the line is Jean. And uh, she is... No, sorry, Susan. I, I beg your pardon. We're going to Susan in Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susan. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good Thank morning. Happy New Year to you as well. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a confession. I have a bag of 50 uh, tulip bulbs, <laughs> lily-flowered tulip bulbs, but I have an excuse. I got a cancellation for knee surgery early, so I just couldn't get out and get them in there. But <sighs> can I put them in a large container now? Uh, inside the house or outside? Well, I could do it outside. I could keep it in the garage. I have like a... Uh, probably almost two foot deep 
18 to 24 inch wide, like a big container. I could fill the bottom with gravel and potting mix. And I could yeah. keep it in the garage, which, well, so far has not gone anywhere near freezing. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Um, you know what? That's probably your best bet is to do something like that. It, did you check the bulbs? Have you gone to see what they've make sure that they're firm? They're not soft and mushy. If they're soft, anyone no, that they're, shows they're any. They're totally firm. I'm looking at them now. A few of them do have little bit, bit tiny bits of yellow sprout starting, but they're yeah. they're good. Yeah. Well, the sprouting is perfectly natural because they, they, they're supposed to be underground starting their thing. So yeah, no, if you can, if you have a pot that size and you can leave the pot in the garage, then I would definitely, I would plant them all in that one pot, make sure that none of the bulbs are touching each other, but otherwise they can be very close together. You're going to place them just below the surface, not six inches down and not up on the very surface, but you know, Get those little noses of the bulbs just below and uh, good idea potting soil. Uh, gravel is a is a filler. You don't really need gravel in there, but it's it certainly it's a way you don't need that much potting soil if it's well, two this feet is deep. A, really meant to be an out, outer pot so it doesn't have drainage holes in the bottom. That's why I was going to leave mm. the gravel in the bottom for drainage. Yeah, so not optimal, but for the purposes of what you're doing, it'll probably work fine because, of course, the tulip is a short-term crop, if you will. You're going to enjoy them in the spring. But, yeah, get them all planted in. Make sure it's a, it's a moist potting mix when you get it into that pot. Get all those bulbs in, firm down with your fingers, and then a light watering. And then in the garage, preferably... I'm just trying to think. You want them dark. Like, you want to maybe put a blanket over top or something. Oh, I can some do that. I can put a piece of styrofoam, like cut a circle of styrofoam on the top to add a little insulation as well as keep it dark. Which could work, but you're going to have to check. Every week or so, you're going to have to lift that styrofoam, make sure there's no moss or mildew growing oh, under there. Because yeah. styrofoam does not breathe. All and right. if it's a plastic pot you're going into, then you've got a situation where there's no exchange of air. Um, and so styrofoam is good in the sense of insulation, but not good in terms of air exchange. Right. So these are 12-centimeter bulbs, and they say that they should only be planted four inches deep. So is that That's, what I, well, I should do? That would be if you were planting them in the ground. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so we, out in the ground, you will plant deeper than in a pot. Okay. Right? It's And it's just, I, why is that? I mean, I guess you could plant them four, I mean, they'll still grow if you want to plant them four inches deep. But in pots, we generally plant quite shallow. And maybe that's just because it's more of an instant um, gratification for the mm -hmm. gardener because they come up faster. They're not as deep because uh, in, in pots is never long term, right? That's called a forced bulb and forced bulbs, you can't keep forcing them. So uh, you will ultimately put those out in the garden before next winter. But, um, but either way, yeah. I mean, they would be theoretically a little more insulated if they're a little deeper. But whatever depth you put them, put them all at the same depth. Okay, great. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Okay, all the best with that. Thank you very much, and all the best in the New Year, Susan. Yeah. Thank you, too. I knew it. I knew there was somebody with bulbs in a bag in there, tucked <laughs> away in a cupboard. Well, she did have a much better excuse than uh, I did my garden. I know. And you I know what? There's... 
there's others out there, and they might not have good excuses either. But either uh, way, save the bulbs. Yeah, just a quick question. Speaking of bulbs, you say that you you can't perpetually force them. Is that right? No. Are they good for one forcing or two yes. or what do you one? Okay. One only, because forcing is stressful on them. It's just a whole different world than in the ground. Like okay. you, if you plant bulbs out in the ground, you can leave them there forever and ever. Yeah. You plant bulbs in a pot, enjoy them for that one season, and then get them into the ground. And again, they should do fine forever and ever once they're in the ground. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, uh, our next caller, it looks like, is Gene. Yes, we're going to Gene in Newmarket. Welcome to the Garden Show, Gene. Thank you. Happy New Year to both of you. Thank you as well. Welcome back. A big thank you. Thank you. I have a big thank you to that lovely listener that talked about the Hoya. Now I got ashamed. I was grabbing a coffee and I go, hey, that's me. So (laughs) I caught Ajax. Can you give me more? Uh, So the name of the, I don't know if you've ever been to Vandermeer's. No. Vandermeer's is in Ajax. It is a very large family-owned garden center and growing operation. Great. So they have a very large indoor section of tropical plants. And they in the season, like if you've never been there and you go there now and you pick up a tropical plant like a Hoya, because apparently they have quite a quite a good selection right now of Hoya, you'll be marking it on your calendar to go back next spring because it's a it's a big place with lots and lots of great choices. Mm. Please um, direct me towards a, a stupid, simple Hoya. I know that Dean was talking about frilly leaves and all that. Mm-hmm. I, I just want something that will grow. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you get like basically get into a garden center where you've got some choices, you can ask staff for a recommendation. But what I would do, I mean, budget was probably going to be an it's going to matter. And like Dean said, the the frilly leaved Hoya was probably three times the price of a regular leaved Hoya. So, you know, anything super special, you're going to pay extra. So budget will come into it. The colors, I mean, I've seen just plain green Hoya, but I've seen green and speckles on the leaves, green with stripes on the leaves, you know, different variations of variegation on the leaves. So see what's there, see what sort of speaks to you and what meets your budget. And they're all treated the same in terms of the full sun and watering as necessary and and flowering, et cetera. Okay, thank you. I share the, the sadness of your caller about the amaryllis. I was all excited at exactly the same thing. I got two leaves, and I'm so proud. And that's my story. Thank you uh, very it's okay. much, Charlie. I've done it, too. It's, I've learned, let them, just leave them down there. Leave them down there till you get some kind of a poking through of a flower stem. It's uh, Flowers come first. Thank you very much. You're always right. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> you. Oh, tell my husband. Tell my yeah. children. <laughs> oh, don't tell her that. <laughs> Thank you. Steve. Bye now. Thanks. Happy New Year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going I'm to save. I'm going to like go into the podcast yeah. and I'm going to yeah, take that, that little snippet. <laughs> you can just Put play it for, for Elliot every day. You're carry, always right. <laughs> carry it around. <laughs> Okay, listen, uh, I'm going to give the numbers that we have callers on the line waiting, which we're going to get to right after the break. Um, but we do have room on the line as well. And this is the uh, the final show of uh, 2023. So give us a call, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. 
Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio on this uh, final weekend of 2023. Uh, Charlie, on behalf of Charlie and I, we're wishing you all a happy new year. And we, uh, mm. we've had a great 2023, haven't we, Charlie? We have. Boy, it's been it's been busy, but it's been very fruitful, plentiful harvest this year. I mean, I'm still still got bags of beans and tomatoes and peppers in my in my freezer. So, yeah, what a great what a great gardening year it's been. Nice. Good, good, good. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Julia on the line and she is calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Julia. Yes, good morning, Charlie and Dean. I'm calling regarding my wisteria plant. I know this isn't the time to prune, but should they be pruned drastically each year? Twice a year, actually, yes. Uh, drastically? Yep. Yep, You because they will overtake and you'll lose your house. <laughs> like, where <laughs> did my house go? Yes, wisteria are what we consider a very invasive, well, not invasive, but vigorous plant. They yeah. grow like crazy. So in order, to, I mean, usually when we're growing wisteria, we're growing them for the flowers. So we prune to promote flowering and to, um, and we shock the plant a bit with our pruning and we remove a whole bunch of new growth. So we'll prune in the spring and then hope for flowers, and then we prune again, usually in July. Okay. I guess that's my problem, because my plant is about 10 years old, but I've never had a flower. Right. Um, they do take quite a long time to, to uh, bloom. There's a, we always say minimum six years, so you're past the six-year mark. Um, yeah. Do not fertilize uh, because that's the, you don't want to encourage more growth on wisteria. So keep any fertilizer far away. If there's a lawn nearby, make sure no lawn fertilizer is getting on the plant. Oh. And in the spring, yeah, the, it it's the kind of thing that you it's hard to explain on the radio, but there um, there are some great websites if you have access to the web and you just um, Google you know, pruning wisteria Ontario, yeah. because we're a little different than, you know, Georgia, you're going to want to look up. There's a an excellent video. Um, I think it's a YouTube video put there by Canadian Gardening Magazine years ago, but it's a great, great, you know, showing you step by step what to do and when. And it's very specific to Ontario. So I'd recommend that or, you know, a good book. Either way, you don't follow what they do in California. Follow what we do in Ontario in terms of when and how to prune to encourage flowering, obviously. Yeah. Right. That's great. Um, are the roots invasive? Well, I mean, any, any, plant that grows at the rate that wisteria does will have lots of uh, roots below ground as well uh, would they crack your foundation probably not they're not they're not like a willow tree where they get into septics tanks and they get into sewers and and break foundations they're not that kind of a root system but they are very, very vigorous, and they do grow very large. And, of course, there's a great story about a house for sale in Seattle that was so cheap. Nobody could understand why this house was selling for so cheap. But when you went to look at the house, you realized why. It was because a wisteria had been grown on the side of the house. And as the wisteria got bigger and bigger and grew taller and taller, it lifted the house right up off the foundation. Oh, my goodness. Is that a yeah. true story? 
I think so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's that vigorous of a plant. (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. That's just great (laughs) advice. You're welcome. Thank you, Julia. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's an incredible story. Wow. I I mean, they're beautiful ornamental plants. I love them. Yeah. So the main thing is when you're planting wisteria, I know people love them. They fall in love with them. Make sure that you're planting it on a very solid structure. It could be your house, but if it's not your house, make sure it's not some little chintzy arbor, but it's like a really solid arbor or a solid gazebo, something that it's a big, heavy plant. When it gets going, you want it to the structure to hold it up. Okay. Okay. Listen, we have to take our we're going to take our final break and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and we do have a number of callers on the line, so we're going to go right to them, Charlie. Uh, We are going to Gabriella in Toronto. Welcome to The Garden Show, Gabriella. Good morning. Can you hear me? Happy New Year, and thanks. Thanks for all the wonderful advice. I bought two amaryllis a few, um, I think about three, four weeks ago. One is doing really well, but the other one is a real disappointment. Um, I measured it, and it's uh, the stem is four inches, and then it's got the, the, uh, the green part where it starts to flower, and the second part of that, that amaryllis has got a stem of what half an inch, and it's also got a little bulbous thing for flowering what do i do do i cry or do i bring it back to the store and say hey you sold me a bad product here you know actually this never happened to me before well but gabriella in a sense what's going on there is a good thing because So they're going to bloom. They're just going to be shorter. Now, they're still going to extend more, particularly if you give them lots of sun. I mean, maybe that's, you know, keep them in a real bright, sunny spot. Turn them because they will they will tilt towards the window. And what I find is that if they get really tall, they get really top heavy. So there's an advantage to having them a little shorter, really, when you think about it. So don't I wouldn't be overly concerned. Sometimes it's the size of the bulb that uh, will have impact on the height of the stem. Certainly the size of the bulb has impact on the size of the flowers and the quantity of flowers as well. So don't. Uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, get what you enjoy the flowers as they come and as they as they do their thing and let the leaves grow when they start to to uh, unfurl as well so that you'll have you know big bushy green house plants uh, right through until next September and then you'll start all over again but this this never happened before because I bought them before many years ago but I used to sleep at the front of the house you know where I get the sun the southern sun, but here I get the western sun because that's where my mm-hmm. bedroom is now. But mm-hmm. I am so mm-hmm. disappointed. Oh well, don't be. I, you know what? Like I said, enjoy the flowers. And a western is a good bright light as well. You know, south is optimal, but western is right up there, almost as great as a south window. So keep them in that window. Keep them out of drafts, and only water when dry. All right. Thanks no, for no, calling, no, Gabriella. Yeah, thanks, Gabriella, and have a happy new year. Okie doke. Um, 
You know what? I, I, again, I think we have to keep in mind, um, and, and we're all guilty of it, but because it's a living thing, you, it cannot, and because weather is so variable, it mm. can't necessarily be a guaranteed, consistent result every year, can it, plants? I mean, they, there's uh, going to be variable. Right. But if you were in the business of commercially growing these things, yeah. you know, all the bulbs we buy, whether they're tulips or amaryllis, are generally all grown in Holland. So yeah, they they make it a science. Like they don't look for any kind of um, anything to mess around. Now this past summer turned out to be a horrible bulb growing year in the Netherlands. The it was so dry that the I bulbs see. didn't fasten fatten up like they usually do. So the crop was much smaller than normal and the bulbs were smaller than normal. So there's environmental things we can't control and mm-hmm. the growers are, you know, like all farmers, they're up against the, the weather. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Okay, let's go to our next plant. Um, our next caller. Our, not our next plant. Our next caller. <laughs> we have we have SP on the line calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, SP. Thank you very much. Good morning, Charlie and Dean. Good morning. I'm sorry. And uh, good morning. What do you got there for Charlie? There, SP. Well, well, you know, I have to tell you, I have a jade plant. It was so healthy when it was out on the balcony, and the minute I brought it indoors. Because of winter, it's the leaves started to fall. Mm-hmm. Because the light levels dropped dramatically when you came inside your house. Have oh. you got it in a full sunny window? I put it on, yeah, it's on my table, but it's facing the window. Okay, it needs to be closer to the window. Um, like it needs, what, what direction does the window face, do you know? West, not west. It's okay. west, actually. Okay, so, you know, if that's your brightest window, it just needs to be right in the window, not not five feet away. You need to put a table right by the window. You need to make sure there's no drafts from hot air, you know, furnace vents and no cold drafts from open windows. And make sure that jade is right in the window. Be very careful. Do not water at all um, until, you know, it, it just... How big is the pot, roughly? It's uh, like twelve feet by uh, not not twelve twelve inches by um, uh, say about twelve depth. Okay, the, the the plant is or the pot? The pot. Okay, so it's a big pot. It's a big plant, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, in that case, would use something called a moisture meter. It's a little gizmo with a probe that goes into the soil because even though the soil in that pot will feel like a desert on the surface, there could be a lot of moisture below. And you want to make sure that that pot dries out very well between waterings when it's that size of a pot. And it's hard to know when to water because you can't get your fingers down, you know, deep enough into the soil. So use a moisture meter to ensure that you're not overwatering and keep it as bright as you can. Do not fertilize. Just let it sit in the sunny spot. Let it do its thing. And um, come February, we will all start to fertilize again, but not until February or March. All right. All right, then. Thank you very much. Wishing you all at the studio prosperous and a safe and happy New Year 2024. Thank you very much. Thanks, Espy. Thank you. Great.
Thank you very, very much. Okay, let's keep going. We are going to we're going to a town that is in what I grew up. It's north of a couple of towns that I would refer to as tobacco growing country. Yeah, oh, north yeah. of Delhi and Tilsonburg. We're going to Otterville. We've got Kathy on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Kathy. Thank you. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New morning. Year. Good morning. You too. So what's going on in Otterville? Well, I have a Hoya plant that I got my, from my mom probably 25, 30 years ago. Oh. It's still going. It's got the dark green leaves with the white spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is I'm not seeing any blooms much anymore. Right. So that can be a challenge. Sometimes when we look after our plants too well, <laughs> they stop flowering. So, of course, um, uh, if you want to get flowers, you, of course, want to get buds to appear. And once the buds do appear, uh, let them, like, don't disturb the plant. Uh, don't even remove the dead flowers. Do not repot your Hoya unless you absolutely have to. Like, they like to be pot bound. They like to be left alone. They don't like to be messed around with. But main, main thing for the winter is cooler temperatures are better, like 10 degrees Celsius, 50 Fahrenheit in the winter versus a little warmer during the growing season. Bright, bright light right in a, you know, western or southern window, preferably. Water liberally when growing, but, you know, in the growing season, but of course, no real water in the winter. So very sparingly, little tiny bits of water in the winter. Misting is a good idea or a pebble tray. Keep the humidity fairly high. And um, uh, again, we can start to do some fertilizing when the plants are actively growing. So, yeah, February, March, April, we can look at fertilizer. But don't expect a lot of flowers now unless you're providing those cool temperatures, bright light and no water or fertilizer. You'll probably start seeing flowers. Okay. Yeah, I have it in a north window by the patio door, and that's where it's always at. So, mm. it, yeah. And I did get, right. I, well, think I got one bloom last year, but that was it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's what you've got, if a north window, it's a big patio door, that's a nice bright spot. It's indirect light, but it's nice and bright. The main thing is, obviously, if the patio door is used in the winter, there's gonna it'll be a cooler spot, which isn't always a bad thing with Hoya. But... Just don't water it. We have a tendency to water our plants when we shouldn't. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Kathy. And happy new thank year to you. you. Thank you. Thank you. So I see we've yeah. run out of racetrack. Yeah. We have. What are you? Uh, what are you doing? For are you doing anything special for New Year's? Or well, you... we were supposed to jump in the car right after right. the show today and head off to Montreal, but. Montreal is a hotbed of COVID right now, and right. the two the two friends we were going to visit, uh, both are down with COVID right now. So gotcha. we, we have changed our plans. We're going to postpone our New Year celebration for a couple of weeks, I think. But um, nevertheless, we'll find things to do here. Yeah. And, you know uh, what? I've got an idea. You could come over here. You could have me help me plant my garlic. <laughs> <laughs> you get your ass outside right now. <laughs> Stop talking that. about it and do it. <laughs> how, how, how deep do I do it again? 
I'll go on the internet. It's okay. <laughs> Plant garlic in Southern Ontario. Yeah, there's the Garlic Growers Association of Ontario. Everything you've ever wanted to know well, about Well, I growing. got this idea on the air. I thought, you know what? The temperature's not going to change that much tomorrow. And so just uh, to make it really special, I should I should call it my New Year's Eve garlic. I'll plant it in a, during New Year's Eve and see what happens. When I don't think it'll here. know the difference between today and tomorrow. No. And if you don't do it right now, you're going to not do it tomorrow. That's, I can tell you. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, Dean. Good luck with the garlic planting. But yes, better late than never. Get it in the ground. Yeah, well, again, how many times do you get to plant garlic on the 31st of December? Exactly. Not too too many. Not, you're exactly. That's this will go down in the annals of history. And then, you know, I did a little rose protecting on Boxing Day. So rose hilling, you just never know. Every every winter's a new winter. Every season's a new season. So with that in mind... I hope everybody has a, as as Espy said, a prosperous and happy and healthy new year and, you know, seasons, greetings to everyone. So be safe. And uh, Dean, Ashi, thank you for all your help and support on the show. Thanks to the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.